Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and let's look to the book of John this morning as we get to that shepherd passage of Scripture in our study in the book of John. We've had a wonderful time, and we're going to continue in it. Uh, just a quick note, those of you uh, on the Israel trip next year, uh, or you're interested in it, there's still time to get involved in room uh, FL-122, which is the room off of the gym. At 11.15 today, there's a meeting, and if you're thinking of going, please come to that meeting. It's very important. So, we're going to talk about uh, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. The subtitle over the passage in your scriptures probably says, The Good Shepherd. That is an accurate title and description. But for the preaching in this series, I've kind of put it down this way. Uh, Verses 1 through 10, The True Shepherd. And then uh, verses 11 through 21, uh, Pastor Matt's going to preach, The Good Shepherd. And then The Faithful Shepherd, verses 22 through 42. We're going to look at that uh, together over these next three weeks as we look at John chapter 10. Let's talk about this for a minute. Jesus, before we read it, let's talk about this. Jesus calls his followers sheep. Sheep, and you know, sheep can get into a lot of trouble. I don't know how much you know about sheep. I read Philip Brooks's book on the shepherd speaks about the 23rd Psalm, a tremendous book. Uh, they, get in, uh, they, they get in lots of trouble. They don't know what's good for them. Sheep tend to wander. They're susceptible to diseases. They're very weak, almost defenseless. At the time of the writing of the New Testament, there were wolves, leopards, lions, panthers, and hyenas still, uh, were still a danger for them in that area. Their appetites led them astray many times, and they would get lost. And when they are lost, they can't find their way home unless they hear the voice of the shepherd. Perhaps the biggest danger for the sheep at the time of Christ was that of being stolen because thieves were everywhere. And unlike cattle and even goats, sheep cannot be left alone. They must have a shepherd. And so sheep, that's what the Lord has decided to use as an example for people. It's the choice from the animal kingdom. And he talks about us as being sheep. We are like sheep. Like sheep, we get into lots of trouble. We go astray, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 6. Uh, we are, to simply put it uh, in a simple term, we're a little bit dumb like sheep. Now, please don't go home and get mad at me. I'm just reading. And so uh, we lose focus. We follow our whims, whatever might seem to be enjoyable. And wherever our appetites carry us, they carry us away. And like sheep, we don't seem to learn from our mistakes. How many of you have made the same mistake more than once in your life? Would you raise your hand? Okay. We just keep making the same or similar ones, and we do it over and over. And I'll just say to you, it is not flattery for the Lord to call us sheep. Interesting enough, he calls himself the good shepherd. I'll say a word about shepherds as well. Their lives were totally wrapped up in the sheep because the sheep could never be left alone. The shepherd could not normally interact with the rest of society like other people because their task required incredible dedication and attention so that even when at rest with the sheep, they could never be at ease. Each shepherd would develop his own vocal sounds, whistles, and calls that he would use to call out his sheep to come out of the fold and to find pasture. When the sheep came into a town or village to be sheared or slaughtered, that the flocks of several shepherds would be led into the same corral or fold to wait for their turn for shearing. You might think that they would get the sheep confused as to who owns which sheep, but they didn't because each sheep knew the practical call and the voice of his own shepherd. 
The one constant factor about the sheep is, is that they know the voice of their shepherd. Shepherds were simple people and they had simple vocational tools. They had a scrip, which was an animal skin bag that carried their own bread and dried fruits and things. They had a sling with which, like King David, they could ward off uh, animals from afar that were attacking. They had a rod. We just read about it in Psalm 23. The rod was a weapon. It was a stout piece of wood, three feet long or so. Usually it was a stick that was chosen with a gnarly root on it. And they would use it as a club and he would throw it at animals or even fight them off with it. Then he had his staff, and that was a long stick with a crook in one end, and he always had it at hand. He could quickly pull a sheep back from that if he was beginning to stray or get in trouble. And when David said it in Psalm 23, 4, your rod and staff, they comfort me, he was saying, you protect me with your rod and you correct me with your staff, and that is a blessing. Finally, about shepherds, they were outcasts for the most part. They were not esteemed at all by the Pharisees and the priest. They were always ceremonially unclean because they associated with the sheep. In addition, they could never enter into the ceremonies of the temple and the traditions because uh, they, were, they had the smell of the filthy sheep on them and they tended to stay outside of the camps and the villages. I know that you can already see and imagine that Jesus, the great shepherd, associated with us and our sin. And you know what? That put him outside the camp. In fact, he carried our sin and he carried our shame and he went outside the camp and he died on a cross. You know, Jesus called the false shepherds thieves. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? But they have these Pharisees and others that he was speaking of have witnessed his miracles and heard his teachings, yet their heart was hard and their power was threatened. I want you to stand with me. We're going to read these verses, verses 1 through 10. The the words are going to be up on the screen, and let's read it together beginning just now. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What a passage of Scripture. God, give me the ability to communicate clearly and with impact from your word because of the Holy Spirit of God that is with us this morning. May he rest on me and open the hearts and ears of every hearer that's here today. 
Help us to understand your word. Help us to rejoice in the fact that we have such a shepherd as Jesus. Help us now as we study together. Add your blessing to the preaching and teaching of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The key to understanding this passage of scripture is verse number six. Look at verse number six. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Those, if you have a red letter Bible, it's the black section in there speaking of those that were there listening to him. Uh, There is no break in subject matter. Unfortunately, sometimes the chapter breaks and the scriptures break up the thought instead of help us understand it. Uh, We are still at the Feast of Tabernacles. We're still on the temple grounds. And everyone that was there in chapter 9 and verse 41 is still there in chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. In fact, all through the chapter. The formerly blind man is there. The hostile religious leaders are there. And Jesus and his disciples are there. So Jesus has just now performed the sixth sign, the opening of the eyes of the man who was born blind. Verse 41 said the Jewish leaders thought that they could see, but they were blind to the truth. Go back to verse number 29 of chapter 9 and let me read it to you. It says in verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't know where he he is from. The man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him since the world began it, it it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind if this man were not from God he could do nothing it's sort of like a sermon from the man whose eyes had just been opened and we've got somebody in the pew preaching to the one that's in the pulpit so to speak that's what's happening in that passage of scripture and so These Jewish leaders thought they could see, but they couldn't see. The Jews didn't know where Jesus was from, but the blind man, who was not a religious leader, did know. He had more understanding than they did. He knew that the Messiah was the one who opened blind eyes, and I have many references I could give you. And he knew that God does not hear sinners. He knew that God's ears were open to the righteous, and they proved that they were blind. In Matthew 15, 14, 23, 26, and in 23, chapter 23, verse 24, they proved that they were blind by not being able to see the spiritual truth that Jesus was showing them. Them by healing the blind man. Verse 41, Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. So we can't divorce chapter 10, verse 1 to 10 from what came right before it. In fact, it makes us understand what we're reading. So Jesus said in verse 1 and verse number 7 of chapter 10, he said, as we pointed out when we first opened the book, he said, amen, amen. He said, truly, truly. He said, most assuredly. He says, look, I'm telling you the truth. He says it two times. Verse number, uh, verse number one and verse number, he says, he says, I'm telling you the truth, so listen carefully. It's interesting here what he tells them. So I have a question for you this morning. Let's put it up on the screen there. What is it that makes for a true shepherd? Jesus is going to tell us. He's going to tell us in this passage of Scripture. And the first thing is, is true, the true shepherd meets all expectations of him. The true shepherd meets all expectations. And why do I say that? Well, because he enters the fold as expected in verse number 1 and 2. 
I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He uses this imagery of a sheepfold to illustrate his message. Now, a sheepfold of that time could have been rectangular, it could have been circular, it usually had a fence around it made of stone about 10 feet high. It may have had briars on the top or even pieces of metal or things put in it to keep people from climbing over. Uh, those sheepfolds could have several flocks inside of them at night. And one of the shepherds of one of those flocks would have laid down in the door. There was no door. I've seen this so many times when we were doing mountain treks in Peru, we would see these sheepfolds. There never was a door on them. There was always just an open space. And that's where the shepherd laid down and slept. And he was the door. Nothing could get into or out of the sheepfold without having to go through the shepherd. So Jesus is telling his audience that only thieves and robbers Seek to enter the sheepfold by another means besides the door. The shepherd always comes in the right way. There is nothing underhanded or secretive about his entrance into the fold. By the way, I want you to understand here, I've heard it preached this way, but this is not what the Bible is teaching. The fold here is not heaven and it's not the church. Uh, let's don't make that mistake because even because we don't want to say that thieves can steal us out of heaven or steal us out of the church. Look at verse number 16, if you would, please. It says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring that they may hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking about the sheep of the Jews and the sheep of the Gentiles, that they're going to become one flock and have one shepherd. We've studied Ephesians. We know that that's exactly what God did. And so the Jews and the Gentiles are in focus here. Now, the true shepherd, he is the true shepherd of the sheep because he came into the world in the right manner and he entered according to the foreordained plan. You say, what are you talking about? Well, this shepherd came and it was said that he would be born of a virgin and he was. It said that he would be born in Bethlehem and he was. It said in the Old Testament, it says in the New Testament that he came exactly at the right time, Galatians 4.4. 4. It says that he would be brought out of Egypt in Hosea 11.1, 1, and he was. And the Bible says that his arrival would provoke the rage of the enemy, Jeremiah 31.15, and he did. You see, Jesus was the right person, born in the right place, arrived at the right time. He was summoned by, from the right country, and he was attended by the right sign. He possesses all the credentials necessary to prove that he is the good shepherd. Hallelujah. Jesus is the one that was promised from old time. Oh, don't ever let anybody tell you you don't need the Old Testament because I just showed you why it is so important to understand that the New Testament is in the old contained and the old is by the new explained. Make sure you understand that. Never do away with the Old Testament. Never do away with the, hey, you know what this is? This is the word of God, old and new. This is it right here, amen? This is the word of God. So that is so important that we understand and so he came, and when he came to the door, he came to the doorway, the porter opened up to him promptly. So this gatekeeper, in this case, could have been one of the shepherds even, and was resting in the gate. He was keeping the thieves out, and he was letting the shepherds come in. Somebody has said that this shepherd might have been John the Baptist who opened the door because he was the forerunner. Well, perhaps 
I rather think that he is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows the shepherd and the Holy Spirit always precedes the Lord Jesus in the work in your heart. And if you've ever been drawn to Jesus, you've ever been convicted of your sin, you've ever been convinced of your need for a savior, it was the Holy Spirit of God who did it. You see, he's the gatekeeper. John three thirty four. He seals us, he saves us, he takes up residence in us. He is the doorkeeper. And then something else, he, look at verse number three, it is so precious. And if you don't get anything else from what I said today, make sure you get what Jesus said in verse three. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And look at this phrase, and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. So there may be several flocks sharing the same sheepfold, but when the shepherd of the sheep walks up to the door and calls his sheep, they instantly recognize his voice and they respond to him. Sheep hear the voice of their own shepherd. They recognize him as the true shepherd. How many times does the New Testament say something like this? It says, he that has an ear, let him what? Hear. Well, you know, sheep hear the voice and the call of the true shepherd. Uh, they hear because they are his sheep. He has engendered them, given them life, given them ability to hear them. And then, oh, don't miss this one. He calls them by name. I'm here to tell you this morning, he knows my name. I'm here to tell you this morning, he knows your name, Rachel. He knows your name, Jeff. He knows your name, Paulette. He knows you by name. This call that he gives is not some sort of general call. This is a personal call. And when he calls you, he calls you. There's no such thing as household salvation, folks. There's no such thing as cultural salvation. No such thing as national salvation. There's one kind of salvation. There's the salvation where he calls you by name. He knows you, and he loves you, and boy, what a comfort that is. How many of you get lost in the crowd? You're just a number. You're just part of the masses. How many of you understand that the world we live in today doesn't really care a whole lot about us? Let me tell you who cares about you, the good shepherd, the true shepherd. He cares, and he knows you by name. He knows everything that happens, everything that's coming. He knows you by name. Have you heard him? Do you hear him? Does he speak to you by his spirit? As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Jesus calls individuals to follow him. A man in Australia was arrested and charged with stealing a sheep. He claimed emphatically that it was one of his own that had been missing for many days. The case went to court and the judge was puzzled, not knowing how to decide the matter. At last, he asked that the sheep be brought into the courtroom and he ordered the plaintiff to step outside and call the animal. The sheep made no response except to raise his head and look frightened. The judge then instructed the defendant to go to where the court, to the courtyard and call the sheep. And when the accused man began to make his distinctive call, the sheep bounded toward the door. He recognized the familiar voice of his master. Now I want you to know this morning that his sheep know him. And the judge said, his sheep knows him. And the case is dismissed. So it is with us this morning. There are many voices in this world that compete for our attention. There is a special note. There's a special sound to the voice of the Lord. And when he calls, everything changes because every single one that the father gives the son will come to him and him that com- he that comes to him will never, ever be cast out. He's calling. Has he called you? Have you heard his voice? 
and have you come to him. Oh, it's beautiful. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, the voice of the true shepherd is the only one that can awaken a dead heart. (laughs) We were dead in trespasses and sin until Jesus called us. We come alive. He leads the ship sheep faithfully. This is beautiful. Look at verse number three, the second part. It says, and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The true shepherd leads the true sheep follow. And I've been preaching this. Remember this, dear saints of God. Saints continue. Sheep follow and they do not stop. What a truth. When a soul is saved by the grace of God, they have a desire to follow the good shepherd. When a person is saved and their heart is right with God, they do not have to be begged to come to worship, to give to the work of God. They don't have to be cajoled into sharing their faith because they know the shepherd's voice and they follow him very closely. He leads them out. You remember the context of verse 34 of chapter 9. Look at verse 34 of chapter 9. 33, this is the the man who was blind who has been healed says, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And here's how the religious leaders answered him in 34. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin. Are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Well, this is amazing. They cast him out, but Jesus leads us out. Remember the context, the religious leaders cast him out, speaking of the formerly blind man who had just taught them a Bible lesson. They cast him out. Jesus leads us out. He was leading them, Jesus was leading them away from dead religious rituals and rules, and he was leading them into a relationship. This man was excommunicated by his religion, but now he was in communion with his Redeemer. He leads them, but he doesn't drive them. It's beautiful, isn't it? The Pharisees drove people like cattle, but Jesus leads us by going out in front of us. Oh, how beautiful. The verse in Hebrews comes to mind. It says, we do not have a high priest that cannot be affected by all of our sensitivities, but he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be lonely. He knows what it is to be alone and criticized. He knows what it is to be mocked and ridiculed. He knows what it is. He knows what it is. And you know what he does? He leads out. He doesn't push us out. He leads by going out in front. He knows all about natural life on earth, what it is to be human, what our frailties are, where the dangers lies, who the deceivers are, and where the green pastures are, and where the still waters are, and that we are desperate for these things. And he knows how to take us to them. So I just want to say by Way of parenthesis, dear brethren, elders, pastors, leaders, let's not act like army generals or naval admirals and push people out to do what we ourselves don't do. Let's lead them. He led them personally. This Jesus, this good shepherd, he smells like the sheep. Remember the idea of the sheepfold was safety. But Jesus is leading them out of their quote unquote sheepfold of dead Judaism and that religion. He's leading them out of what they felt was safe and he's leading them out of that religion into a relationship with him. Get this and don't miss it. Their security did not depend on the walls of the pen but on their proximity to Jesus. Make sure you get this. The safest place for you and me is close 
to Jesus. Your religion, even even this church, we're not your safety. We're a great place. We're a, we're a place to learn, a place to grow, a place to love one another and all of that. But your safety doesn't depend on how many times you walk in this building and how close you are to us. Your safety and your assurance and your love and your future is guaranteed by your closeness to Jesus. It's about Jesus, folks. He's your shepherd. He is your good shepherd. You know, Jesus can take us anywhere, and he takes people to dangerous places of service. He takes missionaries. He transplants people that are thriving and serving, and he picks them up and takes them to other places. Well, I pray that we're listening to the voice of God this morning. We're trying to find out where the shepherd is leading us. I pray that if you're here and there's this inkling, there's this something in your mind and in your heart, and God is speaking to you and he wants you to do something, and you hear about the the untold millions that are still untold, and you're hearing about that, and there's something in your heart, and there's a pull. I pray that you would not fear, oh, if I go somewhere, it'll be so dangerous. The most safe place on the planet is close to wherever Jesus is leading you. Go with Jesus. Oh, it's so important. Stay with Jesus. Hmm. They aren't blown about by every wind of doctrine when they're close to Jesus. There's a second thought this morning, and the true shepherd provides every need, verses 7 through 10. I'll read them again. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The shepherd in the door had more than one purpose. He was going to keep thieves out and he was going to allow the true shepherds in and and allow the sheep to come and go. The Pharisees were doing just the opposite. They were excommunicating people. They were excluding people. They were demoting people. They were belittling people. Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 13, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Boy, let's not be guilty of keeping people out by creating rules and regulations that God never laid down. They didn't care about the paralyzed man, just the rules. They didn't care about the blind man, only the Sabbath. Jesus said, I am the door. He says, I am seven times in this book of John, along with his seven signs that he accomplished. The religionists were shutting people out of the kingdom. Jesus was bringing people into the kingdom. (laughs) The thieves and robbers were the false shepherds. Jeremiah and Ezekiel talked about them a lot in their book about false shepherds. They were all about themselves. They were false. They were selfish. They were self-centered. But this Jesus, he's the savior of the sheep. He's not abusing the sheep in verse number nine. I know that people don't like that word save today or the word salvation, but hearken to this. Jesus used it. Saved. You say, well, that just doesn't resonate with our society. That's fine. Learn what it means and it will. Saved. Jesus used the word. It means to rescue, to deliver, to set free, and to guarantee safety. And I'm happy to say today that I love to sing it and to shout it 
I remember growing up singing the old song, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. My sin has been pardoned and my new life has begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. You guys remember it? Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. How many of you remember that song? Still around? Anybody? Well, I'm saved today. I'm rescued. I'm safe. I have a Savior and I'm not in danger anymore because Jesus saved me. How about you? He leads his sheep in freedom. In and out to find pasture. My shepherd saved me, but he accompanies me. He leads me in and out. I'm safe. I'm supplied. I am supplied when I stay close to him. Brother and sister, I want to say to you today, don't wander away from Jesus. Don't listen to the foolish voices of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Don't listen to false teachers. Listen to the voice of the Spirit of God speaking through the Word of God. I just want to say to you today, go with God. I love the Spanish language when it says adios because that's, you know, we use it. It says goodbye, but you know what it usually, you know what it really means? It means go with God. Adios. Dios is God. Ah, go with, toward. Go with God. Adios. And I just want to tell you this morning, adios. Go with God, stay with the shepherd, stay close to him, never wander away from the shepherd. Don't stop reading it, don't stop meditating on it, don't stop thinking about it, don't stop looking. Listen, don't let your mind wander to the attractions of the world, but let our mind be fixed on things that are in heaven, things that are eternal, things that are precious, things that are lovely, things that are of good report. Let's hold on to Jesus today because this world is coming after you. There's an article on Fox News today about a man that gave an incredible testimony who was a hockey goalie. How many of you saw that article? Anybody see it? Whoa, what a testimony. Go look it up. This guy stood up for Jesus. They were having a pride day or something in in San Jose, California. And this man gave kindly, humbly, beautifully, mercifully, but he gave an incredible testimony that Jesus meant more to him than anything in this world. And he would not deny him. Oh, it was so beautiful. He leads his sheep. The true shepherd gives life. Look at verse number 10. Before I get away from verse number 9, let me just say one more thing. Go with God because he will lead you in the paths of righteousness. He will lead you to green pastures. He will lead you to still waters. And listen to me carefully. He may lead you to those things, green pastures and still waters and places of fruitfulness. He may lead you in some foreign place of service. It used to be when kids were growing up, we'd say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we'd give suggestions, doctor, lawyer, nurse. We'd just go on and on. Why is it not on our list? May God want you to take his word to the faraway fields. It gets really quiet because we're scared, aren't we? We're scared of the world. You know, the one group on the planet that ought not be scared is those who walk with Jesus. Walking with Jesus. The true shepherd gives life. The thief, interesting, up until this point he's called, he said thieves, robbers. But now in verse number 10 he says the thief. You know who the thief is? Satan. Satan is the thief. Satan gives nothing and he takes everything. False shepherds are his servants and they come to get what they can, but true sheep won't follow them. They must, these 
false shepherds, these thieves, they have to sneak in over the wall or sneak in unawares, as Second Peter 2, 1 says, and they steal sheep. They abuse the sheep, Ezekiel 34, 1 to 10. But the true shepherd came to give life, not in measure, but to give it abundantly. And that word abundant means way beyond what is necessary. You know how much you have in Jesus today? You have what you need and way beyond what you need. He's an inexhaustible source. He is. Remember chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. He is the living water. He's a fountain that never runs dry. That's who Jesus is. I'll tell you what. He will never leave you or forsake you. And you won't be without the needs that you have in your life for the rest of your life and on into eternity. Because he is life. Let me finish by saying this. Jesus is jealous about you. He wants to lose none. And he wants to have none of you abused or deceived by the enemy. We always say that Jesus came to give his life for us. Amen. How many times have I preached that he came to give his life as a ransom for sin? He came to give his life in our place. He came to give his life for us. (laughs) This passage of scripture says something else. He didn't just come to give his life for us. He came to give his life to us. Because he is light, he is life, and he came to give it to us. So we're not just talking about a quantity of life that is eternal. We're talking about a quality of life, and it starts right here, right now. Are you a believer in Jesus? Then you have life, abundant. These words, steal, kill, destroy. That's Satan's goal, and his workers abound. What's God's purpose? Life, (laughs) abundant life, the opposite of what the world would like to give you. Jesus said, I am the door. He is the only way to God. Ephesians 2.18, John 14.6, Acts 4.12. The truth is abundantly clear from 1 John 5.12 that Jesus is the only way to the Father. All other ways lead to death and damnation. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus this morning, then you have, a tr- you have the true shepherd. The true shepherd. What does that mean? Well, there's false ones out there. But you have the true shepherd. How are we going to know what the true shepherd wants to say to us? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts today. I pray that you would help us to be drawn to the true shepherd. Help us to not wander. Help us to not cast our eyes in other places. Help us, Lord, to not be distracted by the sparkly things of the world. Help us to not be drawn away. Help us to not fade in our faith. Help us to not distance ourselves from our Savior. Help us to not choose sin over the Savior. Help us to not go our own way. Because our own way is always the way of the world. Lord, I pray that we would go your way. And I pray that as good sheep that hear your voice, that we would go with God and follow you very closely. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.